Yemei Chabad for the thirteenth um, day of Tishrei. Yud Gimel Tishrei in the year Tafrej Mem Gimel, one hundred and thirty. One hundred and thirty thirty-one years ago. Mm-hmm. That it was September twenty-six in eighteen eighty-two. Okay. So in any event, that was the um, day of the yard site of the Rebbe Maharash. The Rebbe Maharash, Rebbe Shmuel, he was the youngest and the seventh son of the Tzemach Tzedek, of the third Lubavitch Rebbe. He became the Rebbe after him, the Rebbe Maharash. Um, and um, he passed away on the 13th day of Tishrei. The word Echad, like we say, Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokein Hashem Echad, the word, word name, the word Echad, numerical value is actually 13 also. Aleph, Ches, now thank you. Aleph, Ches, Dalet, which is, Aleph is one, Ches is eight, and Dalet is four. So it's, uh, so it's the 13th day, uh, word Echad spells 13. And there is a verse that says, Echad Be'echad, Yigoshu, one and one. It's interesting that his father, the Tzemach Tzedek, um, he also passed away on the 13th day of the month. But he passed away on the 13th day of the month of Nisan. Uh, Nis- the month of Nisan, the month of Tishrei, are very closely connected because the month of Nisan is the first month the by the Torah. The Torah calls it the first month. But by creation, the first month is Tishrei. There is a connection. Echod be'echod, Yigoshu. There is one 13 to 13, the 13th day of Tishrei, together with the 13th day of uh, of Nisan. Now, he was, like I mentioned, the seventh and the youngest son of the uh, Tzemach Tzedek. He was uh, known much for uh, his um, phrases of uh, that he used to say that one need not battle with challenges, but just go beyond them, you know, out of the box sort of kind of approach. Um, he lived a very short life. He died very young. He was just a, he was just about uh, 49 years old when he died, under 50 when he died, when he passed away. Um, he had a lot of uh, ailments. He was a, with a lot of pain. And um, over here, Reb Shmuel. His name is the Rebbe Maharash, Reb Shmuel. Uh, he gives her the exact day. He, he, he passed away exactly 1151. They say that 1151, and I guess that must be uh, AM, I'm assuming, uh, because otherwise, yeah, it has to be, because in the, in the, it's, it's the 13th day of Tishrei. Um, so uh, the... Um, I'm just trying to think. Maybe it's 11:51 p.m. I'm not. I'm not sure. It just says here 11:51. It doesn't say a.m. or p.m. over here. Um, it could be at nighttime of the 13th of Tishrei, or it could be daytime of the 13th of Tishrei. It doesn't say here. Uh, but it's something very uh, amazing took place. Uh, we mentioned earlier. You used to have uh, two golden uh, walk watches with a chain. So what he did was, about 25 minutes before he passed away, he took 
his uh, watch, his uh, pocket watch, and he removed it from a chain. He took a piece of paper, he stuck it into the uh, into the clock. So um, he stuck it into the watch, so that the dial should stop exactly when it reaches eleven fifty-one. For a minute, you know, we're dealing with the clock over here now. <laughs> so he put in a piece of paper so that when the visor would come to 11.51, it would stop. And that's when he passed away, exactly at that, at that instant. Uh, and then he, so he had 25 basic minutes left from doing this till he passed away. He told his attendants to bring in his holy sons. He had three sons, uh, and he wanted to instruct them before his passing. So first, his older son, his name was Zalman Aaron, also known as Dirazo. He spoke to him. After he went out, it came in the Rebbe Rashab, his son who followed him as the Rebbe, Reb Sholem Doivber, the Rebbe Rashab. And then he spoke with him. And the previous Rebbe relating this says that my father was very emotional and cried a lot. And when he left, then the youngest son, who was born at, when they were already older, his name was Rabbi Menachem Mendel. And he spoke to him. And then he passed away while sitting still on his chair. So basically within the 25 minutes, it looks like he was able to call in all of his sons and tell them before uh, and instruct them. Now, elsewhere it's related that before his passing, he asked to call in his daughter. He also had a daughter, her name was Chaya Mushka. Uh, she was very young. When Chaya Mushka entered, so the Rebbe Marash said to her, I should have had the privilege of taking you to the chuppah, to your marriage together with your mother, but when Hashem doesn't want, etc., you know, it didn't happen. So he blessed her by placing his hands on her head. Uh, the Rebbe once related that the uh, Rebbe Marash was a man with great suffering. He suffered a lot, a lot of physical ailments. Even during the lifetime of his father, the Tzemach Tzedek, uh, again being the youngest of the son, he followed him, he stayed in Lubavitch, the, the, the Rebbe Marash. But his father, uh, during his life, was very sick. So when his father found out about it, he said, had he known uh, early enough, he would have been able to bring down that he should minimally live for 52 years like Shmuel the prophet. He didn't even live, he didn't make it to 50. So he said he would have at least had helped him live till 52. Uh, Notwithstanding the fact that he was always in uh, lots of pains, he was always with a big smile. Uh, the last time he visited the uh, professor, the doctor who was attending to his health, so the doctor says to him in uh, in the language, in uh, itzi itzi, I'm not sure exactly how to pronounce it, it means go, go. You can go home to Lubavitch, he told him. He says you can go. Uh, so the Marash says that going from this world to the other world, uh, to the Olam uh, Haba, there's also a itze itze, you know, go, go, you know, you have to 
I guess move over. This was the last time he told me you can go home to Lubavitch and he sort of said it, paraphrases to going over from this world to the other world. Um, in another uh, occasion, the Rebbe related that the uh, Rebbe's, the Chabad Rebbe's had a custom that on Erev Rosh Hashanah, they would go and talk to the, to the Rebbe's and to their wives and say a few words before Rosh Hashanah. And in the Rosh Hashanah before Rosh Gimel, before he passed away, that's 13 days before, 14 days before he passed away, um, the Marash went into the Rebetzin Rivka, that's his, uh, to his wife, to the Rebetzin, and he told her a few words from which she understood that he was going to pass away from the world that year. He predicted, he was able to tell that this was going to happen. So, uh, it's, and it's known that the Rebbe Marash, his leadership was like a Balshemske, meaning like the Balshemtov, everything was miraculous. In all of his leadership, it was in a very miraculous way. So he was open miracles at the time of the Rebbe Marash. So the Rebbe asked him, uh, but we have little children. Uh, what is going to be about our little children? The, the Rebbe didn't answer her. But he just told her, he says, I'm going to be going up 32 steps and in the heavens above, and you're going to go up 32 steps in this world. What he meant was, the previous Rebbe interpreted it eventually, and he said that the 32 steps above, he was referring to the 32 uh Maimorim uh, Drushim, these discourses in Lakut Torah, which were on the uh, three portions that were printed then. That was an elevation of the 32 related to that. And the 32 levels that she's going to be elevated below, he was referring to uh, an additional 32 years that she continued to live after her husband, after the Rebbe Marash, she's died. And she passed away in the year. Tafresh Ayin Dalad, which is exactly 100 years ago. Yeah, she went. So she continued to live another um, another 32 years. And um, she is the wife of the Rebbe Maharash. Of the third. Of the fourth. Of the fourth Rebbe. The fourth Rebbe. Now, uh, the uh, interment and in the uh, gravesite is, is in the city of Lubavitch. And they, they have a oil over there, the tent, and uh, set up for that. So, Yud Gimel Tishrei is the yard site, and Tov Mem Gimel is the yard site of the uh, Rebbe Maharashi. Yeah? We, learned, we learned earlier that um, his, his leadership was in a way that, in a very wealthy way, and uh, his carriage was with gold, and his yeah, sticks was with gold, and, yeah. um, but it seems like you see, he didn't really benefit from this world. He was full of pains and everything else. No, no, I, I remember we had the story about that the um, the rabbits in Chana, which yesterday was on um, Vav Tishrei, was her was her yard site. Um, she was the daughter of Reb Meir Shleim of Yanovsky of, of Nikolaev, who was one of the Yoshvim who used to be by the uh, Rebbe Maharash. And then we learned that uh, when he came back, they asked him. How come the Rebbe Marash behaves in such a uh, wide way? So he said, 
Petach, Petach, who do you think gold was created for? For the, it was created for, for <laughs> to be used in Kedusha, in holiness. As he's in business, he tried to create an image. Yeah. Well, I, this was um, spiritual, uh, spiritual yeah, level. Right. To show that, you know, he could attract people and, and what his, he could, his elevation to deal with, with outside forces that the common person couldn't. Well, yeah, different, uh, different approach. I'm not sure exactly. Some very become, humble, and he wasn't the humble type. I'm not sure it has to do with. Well, I'm if not you're sure going with that elaborate type of uh, the way the way you present yourself, you try to put yourself in a different elevation. It's like in business, you know, people try to do the same thing. Um, well, it's. Um, I don't think that we can really apply. I mean, we're talking about spiritual levels, no, and we're talking about. Um, you see, um, unfortunate yeah. in the world of the world of business that you're talking about, uh, most of the concern of the people is for self exaggeration. To to but sometimes you have the Hashem. Uh, There's a verse that says that his heart has become haughty in the ways of Hashem. In order to present uh, the message, it wasn't a selfish or smallness expression of of wealth, but rather it was a representation of who he stands for. It represented Yiddishkeit, represented Chabad, and that was the um, the, the honor was not his personal, but it wasn't his uh, selfish uh, smallness, but rather it it represented. The organization, it was the Darki Hashem, it was God's, I guess, um, beauty. It was the gold for Hashem. Like when a person has a beautiful voice and he davens in the shul, he praises Hashem with his voice. If he has money, he makes a beautiful shul. So it was done to beautify the shul. Yeah, I'm sorry. No, 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 no. I was just getting at this. Is, there's an image that has to be created also. So that, you know, if God can take care of me, he can take care of everybody else. So it's, a, it's an image play, too. And that's just part of, and I think that's what he's trying to be. But no other Rebbe did what he did. And that was uh, not to that, not known for that. Not yeah. known for that, yeah. Okay, but there were, but amongst, like, they were... tend to be humble, more or less, right? Yeah, living a, more simplistic, as you want to right. say. More of them would live in a simple way. But amongst the different uh, tzaddikim, there were about really both types. Like, for example, there was the Rizhiner, who was the grandchildren of the Baal Shem Tov. Yeah. They also lived in a very extravaganza way. So there wasn't, I mean, there was some. It uh, was some, and there was, there was others. Um, I mean, that's probably uh, a more of a spiritual explanation rather than such a very right, simplistic approach, I think. It could have been the time, uh, approach, the time they lived into the way things were, too. Yeah. We don't know. You know, it's... But certainly, but certainly, I mean, these were and uh, servants of Hashem, and right. it wasn't a, uh, a selfish expression or an expression of their self uh, uh, expression, no, just themselves. It wasn't uh, personal. It was all in the service of Hashem. That goes without without the question. Now, um, generally speaking, we some argue. Uh, like today, uh, that if you um, make a, like you say, a better image, a better presentation, uh, then you can attract and you can influence, you can impact more people. 
the problem we have today is, you know, everybody is using things and advertisement or uh, various different uh, means to try to influence people's minds, to manipulate, to get people to buy things. But we know very well that not everything that everybody is selling is of value, but they're trying to manipulate. So while we may use and we want to uh, be out there in the forefront uh, representing, showing a good face so, so we can attract people, but we really have the goods. We're not selling something which we're just trying to manipulate somebody to buy so to enrich us or to make us famous or to uh, get us. We, we were trying to give them Yiddishkeit Unfortunately, sometimes the only way to reach the people um, is by using these garments of Esav, what they're called. You know, you got to dress up in the garments that people use in order to be able to reach the people, because otherwise uh, you won't be able to reach people. The Rebbe Maharash perhaps used his, uh, his, 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 his expression of his wealth or behaving in a way that mastered uh, honor in a, in a wealthy carriage, he, perhaps he was able to attract yeah. other people to who otherwise could not be attracted uh, to, uh, to uh, experience you know their heritage or to uh, uh, do things which were beneficial for the Jewish community. But the point is one has to always remember that these are just tools. Right, but remember that the merchandise that we are right. not the same. Yeah. We are not at the same level. We're <laughs> total. It's a total different level. We're selling something totally different. So sometimes we use the the garments. We use the tools that others use. But it's still don't put us on the same uh, the same. It's totally different. Uh, uh, but I, I I hear you. I mean, it's it's a real good. It is, a, it is a form of marketing. It, it, it's a form of marketing in a way to try to attract people. So. And in those times, we don't know what it was like over there, what they were dealing with. Mm-hmm. They had a competition. You know, there is a competitive, uh, there is some competition in there. Yeah, well, yeah, it we could, be, could be, could be, no. possibly, yes. No. I mean, this very, I mean, it's, it's you know, times. when you have, when you have like in today's day, time and day, time and day and time, where you have like all kinds of forces pulling right. at the young people. Right. And if you don't it. have a balance to offset that and you don't make Yiddishkeit as exciting right. and you can't wait for them to come into the study hall and start figuring out a passage in the Talmud or a yeah. Hasidic concept, you got to get them out there in the street. How are you going to, it doesn't talk to them. There's a disconnect and there's a, a gap over there. How are you going to, so you got to sort of bring them down to them and pull them in. And once you pull them in, you got to put out the fishing rod right. and hook them. And once you hook them in, then you can hopefully... That's but that we can't. Re- but we can't get cut up no, by no, the no, 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 and no, no, realize no. we know that this is not really what it's about. It's the essence of of Yiddishkeit. What it's no, about. It's just means of grabbing your attention. It's so to grab the attention, especially when you got to compete against everything, all the yeah. gadgets out there. So yeah, it's kind of getting harder and harder. In those times, it, the it wasn't too bad in in. Um in Russia at that time. It wasn't until I think Alexander became the desire that things started to change in the late 1880s. Mm-hmm. So things were still pretty, not great, but were, yeah, and, were, yeah. were, were decent. 
it's, it's, it's an interesting concept. You know, the Jews had to contend then with the maskilim. Those were the Enlightenment, the Enlightenment movement, which was very strong at the time. It was, it was, and that was attracting a lot of, uh, a lot of young people. And, and then, you know, somebody would have to make uh, a choice, sort of say, well, do I want to choose and live a life of poverty and, you know, a life of religion, or do I want to, you know, go out and get myself a good education and then maybe forget about my, my Yiddishkeit. So perhaps I'm just saying what you're saying yeah, is sometimes a, uh, looking at a rabbi who is, is wealthy or gives the appearance of well-to-do is an attraction for a person to say, oh, well, I don't have to be poor in order to be religious. I don't have to be give up, right. really. I could end... If you didn't tell them, not now, of course you're wealthier than any money can buy you if you are connected with Hashem and you are uh, emotionally and perp- you have your purpose in life. No money can buy that and this is more value, but it takes uh, a lot of learning and it takes a lot of uh, experience in order to begin to feel that way. In the beginning, it's actually uh, very lucrative to go ahead and maybe the other side. So maybe that was... Yeah. That's a very good point. Maybe so that was an idea. about the ones from the Lithuanians were influencing, but I don't know if they, their influence was trying to get down to that area, but it was very difficult because it was it was a whole different type of society. Was wasn't it the the Lithuanians tend to be more educated than the than the East European? I'm not sure. Could be. Well, well I'm not. Whole, I'm not sure. But there was there was a there was a definitely sometimes people needed to uh, thought that they had to choose between a life of deprivation and being religious or a life of excess and you know and being not religious but it doesn't have to be that way it doesn't really it's, it's just the opposite but it, you can have you can have both you don't have to give up one of the account but the again the end of the day is that as we know that Money and success cannot buy you really meaning and purpose and, and, and life. And uh, there is um, nothing as, um, you know, when we um, have a, a, a spiritual, meaningful and uh, uplifting life experience that we feel good about ourselves, we feel good about our being in this world and we feel good about... Uh, uh, you know, doing the right thing and uh, and fulfilling the purpose of our creation, not just to live like you know accidents and like animals just here and duration and just, but really making a difference in the world and ourselves and in the world and our environment, and 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 and, and doing something, you know, accomplishing something positive. And the guide is the Torah, and the way of life of Yiddishkeit is the way to achieve the maximum to maximize our. Uh, ability to impact the world in a positive way. 